Good afternoon, this is Champions for Life. Welcome to the segment Martial Arts Monday. I am pumped about this. I, I am like, this is something I get excited about every single time. Today I don't have a guest in which I'm interviewing. I decided to skip that for next week. But today I want to talk about a martial arts experience. You know, when I started the martial arts, it was uh, early, uh, late actually, late 1978. And uh, in, back in those times, martial arts was uh, very rough, very rugged, very uh, non-commercial, if you will. Very uh, martial, you know, hence the name martial arts, right? And so training was different. Um, training was, um, you know, you had to, like, get accepted into a school. At least in my area, you couldn't just join a school. Uh, if you were a student of one school, you couldn't just hop onto another. Uh, those things were very frowned upon. Uh, the instructor would call the other instructor or get in contact with them. The word would get around quickly. And so, you know, you wouldn't do the things that, that are done in today's time, you know, things things have certainly changed. The dojos weren't beautiful. They weren't, um, you know, appealing in any in any way at all. They were uh, ugly. They were a room, and then you had like a, a punching bag, or you had a uh, makiwara. For those of you who don't know what a makiwara is, it is a, in essence, a wood on a stand. Okay, stand, that's a wood, and it's wrapped around with rope, tightly wrapped around. There's no space in between. And then it is used uh, to develop your knuckles in your punching or your ball of the foot in your kicking. And that's what a makiwara is. And so we had that. We had also, um, you know, canvas bags, like heavy canvas bags. You punched it with your hands. So it was an honor to bleed on that bag. It wasn't, um, you know, you wrapped it or anything like that. It was completely crazy different than what it is now. The uh, clothing, if you will, it was, um, you know, you put cotton, sweatpants, T-shirt, and you worked out. And then you had uniforms here and there, some places like uniforms, and then you wore uniforms. And, you know, there were only one uniform. They weren't fancy. They weren't colorful. They weren't any of that. And training was hours long, two, three hours, three times a week, uh, enclosed. There was no room for a guest to come and watch. The few schools that allow you to watch, they will give you like a time limit. I remember going to Taekwondo schools and karate schools in New York, Masoyama, Seiro, Kyokushin Kai. And they would come out and tell you, you got 15 minutes and you got to leave. It was kind of odd and weird. It wasn't welcoming where you felt like, oh man, they want me to be part of this. You either had to assert yourself or make it a point, And then uh, you just fit in or you were like not part of the group. So it was a different culture than what you might be experiencing now. And so uh, training was... Completely different. There was no mindfulness in safety. Uh, it was all, if you got hurt, it was pretty much your fault, even if it wasn't. Um, 
pretty much you had to be tough mentally and physically. If you didn't fit that build, you weren't part of it. You weren't a martial artist. You were like probably a wannabe. Because the pride was in how much pain you can take. And I don't know if you, if you remember, but then in the 80s, there was the no pain, no gain kind of thing. And uh, everybody was with that mindset, no pain, no gain. And it was hard to change that. I remember the resistance that there was, you know, that that kind of pain gets you hurt and blah, 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 you know. But there was a great sense of pride in training in the martial arts with that mindset. That if you didn't go through the pain, you weren't getting any gains from it. So you would put yourself through pain in every kind of way. Like holding a position for like, I remember doing a kneeling position, Seiza. And I remember being in that position for nearly an hour. I remember being in a horse dance for nearly an hour. At one point, I remember that we were doing a horse dance and two hours had passed and people were fainting and passing out. And the pain was excruciating, but no pain, no gain. And you would scream and that was all encouraging. You scream and you become a warrior like that, the the attitude. And I loved it because it made me... uh, it's tough. It made me very tough. It made me very mentally tough and physically tough. And I loved it. I love training like that. And uh, But unfortunately, but fortunately, but unfortunately, you can't train like that. I don't think if you train like that, you'd have a dojo. You, you'd be sued. You'd be out of business, right? Uh, even the so-called traditional dojos don't train like that anymore because they will get sued. And so nobody wants that headache. And we've created a society that is legalistic in that sense. And so things have changed. So I want to share a little experience, um, a backstory experience that I'm really excited about. So a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, I was in California. And um, I went to, I passed by a school, a Chinese Kempo school. And uh, as I always like to visit martial arts places when I travel, I uh, decided to go in and say hello. But it was early. There was no classes going on yet. And the head sensei was not there either. So I decided to come back after some small talk. And when I came back, I met the head sensei. And I had noticed in there there was a sign that said Fujiao Pai. And that is Fujiao Pai Kung Fu. And I looked at it and I said, oh, man, I know that system. I trained that system. That was my one of my first martial arts I ever trained, Kung Fu, Fujapai. And when I shared with him, I could see in his face that he didn't believe what I was saying. He didn't believe me that much because, in all honesty, if you said you trained Fujapai, that is a very small niche martial art, and it's like, You'd have to like get it from a very specific place. And then everybody knows everybody in that art. So when I, when I said that, they looked at me kind of weird. Like, how come I don't know you? Kind of look. And who is your sensei or your sifu and all of that? And I had a good time. I said, well, I trained under Paul Vizio, the uh, super light super uh, featherweight or featherweight lightweight champion in kickboxing at the time 
who had trained under uh, Grandmaster Wai Hong. And so when I shared that information, they were like, no way, this guy. I said, no, really, I, I do. Actually, I can tell you, and I, I started naming the names of Paul Vizio's daughters, Peaches, and I forget the other the other one. Um, and we kind of like, oh, wow, he does know them. And I said, yeah, but they don't remember me because when I trained there, I was 12, 13 years old, and they were babies. So they don't really remember me. But I did train there. And so I decided to do part of a form. And I do this form. And like, you do know. Oh, my God, you do know. And it was like instant brotherhood. Boom. So we took a picture together. And he sends the, peach, the picture to Peaches. And then I never heard from them again. So about three weeks later, yesterday, I uh, was looking on Facebook and my sister had posted a picture of a friend of ours from many years back. And Peaches replied to it, saying to my sister, oh my God, I got to talk to you. And immediately I kind of like connected the dots and I oh, she's probably going to talk to her about that picture that I, that I took with this uh, seafood over in uh, California. And so when I talked to my sister, exactly that. And then she said that she showed the picture to her dad and her dad had nothing but great things to talk about me and in fact invited me to come and train with my sister at his uh, kun, his school, in, uh, on Fridays, any Friday that I want to go. So I made it a point that I want to go this Friday to see him again. Now there's another backstory to this because that means there is a reconciliation there. And so I want to take you back uh, to the 1980s, years ago, uh, when I was studying with him, with Paul Vizio. At one point, I switched and I went to learn Shotokan with Shihan uh, Adro Muniz at the time, which he was a young kid as well, and I was young. And we had met at a uh, tournament. We went to a tournament, and I was doing my Kung Fu. And I see this young guy and his crew there. And they're really doing good, and he's winning. He won first place in weapons, first place in katas, first place in sparring. And then he wins the grand champion in everything. So he, be, he was the triple crown winner of the tournament. And he was just ripping everything. It was amazing. So I decided to talk to him, and he tells me his school is in Pasaic. And I was like, where the heck is that? <clears throat> then I realized that the tournament was also in Pasaic. And I was a kid that never really traveled. By the way, I didn't have driver's license, obviously. And I didn't have a car. My parents didn't have a car. So I was like, how am I going to get to Pasaic? But, you know, when you want something, you become resourceful. You really find a way. And so I found a guy that would take me for $5 and drop me off. And then I had to figure a way to get back home. And most of the times I figured a way to get back home. So I started training with Shihan uh, Adro Muniz. And uh, we became great friends at the same time. And he was my mentor, instructor, all that. And uh, I had a good relationship with Paul Vizio, a student instructor relationship. But I grew. And now when I'm in my late 20s, about 10 years had passed. 
I didn't think of life the same way. And so I decided that I was going to open my school in my town, which was the same town that Paul Vizio was at. Now, I want to I wanna take a PS there. Back in the day, you didn't open a school near any other school. It was a disrespect to do that. It was kind of like you were a lowlife. You know, in today's time, it's strictly business. You open a school wherever you feel like it. And there's no moral code or ethic to follow when it comes to that. It's all about the money now. It's all about your vision. It's all about business. You can't run a business without making money. So people that open a school next to them, next to each other, and all of that, back in the day, you couldn't do that. So I make the mistake of feeling entitled to open in my town and uh, not knowing anything about business. I just did it. My, my, my sensei at the time, I said, okay, we did it together. <clears throat> I carried the name and um, I put the school. Well, the same day that I'm doing my grand open, I had advertised it in the newspaper. I had put flyers all over the town, blah, blah, blah. The connection, the connections that Sifu Vizio had closed me down. So the inspectors came and found violations and all of that. But me, young, stupid, and stubborn, I decided to open anyway. So next thing I know, I have like four police cars come to the school in my grand opening day. Now, they did this on purpose, but, you know, uh, they closed me down. And so they arrested me and uh, took me to, to the police station in Union City, which at the time, the chief of police was Paul Hanna. And a friend of mine uh, knew Paul Hanna and made a phone call to him to not book me, to actually let me go. So all they did was like a report and then kind of scare me and then let me go. And that was my last day there. I closed down. So that was like school number five that I ever opened and closed down at the time. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Um, so what I thought about was, wow, Peaches shows her dad the picture and he has nothing but good things to talk about me. I was, I was really, really, wow. I was like surprised and amazed. And at the same time, I felt loved. I felt the love from one of my uh, sifus, right? One of my instructors that taught me martial arts early on, Kung Fu, right? And what an honor to be mentioned to his own daughter of my good character when he really didn't have a reason to because, you know, that's not respected back then, you know, to open a school in the same town and to be entitled like that. And what a disrespect. And I didn't realize that up until I got older, obviously. And then I thought that that relationship was turned to trash. So here's the, the beautiful thing. Um, during that time, there was a tournament in Union City, which uh, Paul Vizio decided to get her Perez and uh, Mark Williams and Kevin Padilla to compete in there as if they were his students and uh, to beat up my instructor, Adriel Muniz, and myself and Shihan Juan Perez, who didn't want to participate in that. 
But my instructor was always, um, he thought different and he was always like ready to step up to uh, whether I was right or wrong, he was always ready there. And so we decided to go to this tournament and face up. And uh, I have this on video, guys. I've never, I've never seen such an amazing performance by my instructor uh, really making uh, her Perez look like uh, a beginner in, in the sparring world, uh, which actually later on he went on to win the uh, Olympic gold medal, which is an amazing accomplishment on, on his part to his credit. But to my instructor's credit, um, he made him look like a white belt in the ring. It was really an outmatch. It was really, really no match for him. Um, <clears throat> whether he admits it or not, it did happen. I have it on video. It's out there on the internet, and I have the raw video. So this this really did happen, guys. And uh, as far as Kevin Padilla, he actually beat me, but I also uh, gave him a run for his time and uh, really, like, discredit the whole how easy it would have been for him to uh, sweep the floor with me and all of that, uh, which we didn't talk for years. And then when I saw him, you know, I actually shook his hand and made amends, like, all of that. You know, you grow up and you get out of that stupidity in life, and uh, you let things go. At the end of the day, we're all men and martial artists, and we want to walk in honor. So uh, that was that. And so that created the relationship between uh, Sifu Vizio, my instructor, and I. And I have videos of this. It was ugly. I mean, it was disrespectfully ugly in many ways. And um, I thought that this would never be a reconciled thing. And for him to invite me to his uh, kuon, to his school, and uh, want to see me and talk and uh, train and have me like be part of his uh, group there on any Friday that I choose to go to, it's an, an amazing honor. And I'm, and I'm, up, I'm always up for reconciliation. You know, whenever there's an opportunity to... Uh, reconcile differences when it's genuine. I'm I'm for it. You know I'm not against uh, I'm not against uh, reconciliation or being enemies forever, unless obviously it's not coming from a a place of peace or a place of uh, uh, truthfulness. You know. So I thought I'd share that with you today on Martial Arts Monday because to me it's an amazing story of uh, life. That years later, at 53 years old, I'm able to go back and uh, visit my uh, first instructor and share with him and share with him uh, just things about life. I'm looking forward to seeing him, maybe giving him a hug if he allows it. Um, and just seeing his daughters now, older, and just kind of like talking with them. Uh, so I'm really excited about this. And this is like what martial arts should be about. It shouldn't be about rivalry. It should be about unity. It should be about family. You know, martial arts now, I think, has come a long way from back then where everybody thought they were better than everybody. Um, I think we live in different times and martial arts serves a different purpose than back then. I think it's still great for self-defense and it's still great to uh, stand up for yourself and your family. But... I think it's even greater for a discipline, a lifestyle, 
a, a for real champions of life, you know, to really become a champion for the rest of your life. I think martial arts is an amazing, amazing uh, character development program, life program, and a discipline program, and at the same time, a healthy program. So, I hope you enjoyed this today. I hope you get a little bit out of it. Um, and uh, I hope no one gets offended by me mentioning their name. Uh, if that's the case, I, you know, I'm sorry in advance, but I think it's also important that people know uh, all the people that actually helped shape my life. And so with that, I want to say this has been JDC for Champions for Life segment of Martial Arts Monday. I'm excited to share this, guys. So every Monday I come to you with a martial arts topic or an interview of some sort with somebody either known or not known in the martial arts, but nevertheless, great information or testimony about the martial arts. Until next time, you have an amazing day, and I'll talk to you on the next one.